Hello and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the doomed films of the VHS era. Tonight we're talking about one of Charles Band's first uh, produced movies, um, 1976's Mansion of the Doomed. My name is Luke and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1976's Mansion of the Doomed on YouTube for free. And you should actually go out of your way to watch this. I mean, on the one hand, like, I think this is a pretty good movie. On the other, it's a straightforward ripoff of Eyes Without a Face. So if you've seen Eyes Without a Face, that's all you're going to be able to think about as you watch this one. I have never seen that, so this is an amazing experience for me. This is this is the more like gruesome of the two. It has its own sleazy charm to it, even though there's like there's nothing really sleazy in it. It just it I feel dirty after I've watched it. It's grimy. I feel like you did kind of mention that before you chose this film or after you chose this film that it wasn't going to be that graphic but i do not agree i think this was a very brutal film it it's definitely like it horrifies me i i'll be honest this is a horrifying movie to me um it's truly a horror film yeah you know despite despite the fact we're called video store nightmares there's a fair amount of things we cover that aren't really horrific you know right. they could be exploitative they could be weird strange you know counterculture that sort of thing but we don't watch too many films like this it's uh speaking of the horror i think um the the special effects although limited are really effective like the vision of the people with their eyes missing is really well done. This was one of Stan Winston's first movies, and we know he went on to have a gigantic career. It occurred to me while watching this film that I don't think I've ever seen an actual picture or definitely not in actuality, someone who's missing an eyeball and just has like the, the healed socket. Yeah, there's... There's some movie I saw recently where someone took out their glass eye to like be creepy, but now I can't remember what it was. Yeah, so I don't think I've ever actually seen it, so I don't know if these uh, special effects are true to life, but seeing as I have no frame of reference, it looked convincing enough for me. Yeah. This film, like not just Stan Winston, but it's kind of the who's who of either people who would go on to have significant careers or has-beens who were kind of in the tail end of their career. It was directed by Michael Pataki, who's better known as an actor. He's, he starred in a bunch of exploitation movies, uh, including one I'm sure we'll do eventually, Grave of the Vampire. But this was one of only three things he directed. He also, it was his first film, and then the next year, he directed Cinderella, also for Charles Band. That was like a soft core fairy tale movie. And then he directed an episode of the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries. By soft core, do you mean pornographic? Yeah. All right. So he had an interesting directing career. 
I'm not sure what made him choose these particular projects, but I don't know. Do you think this is a well-directed movie? Yes. I think the directing's kind of beside the point. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I think the only real direction that comes to mind, and, you know, I watched this, like, um, you know, like 12 hours ago, is there are a lot of scenes where we have unsuspecting victims and there's a focal point on their eyes because as we're about to discuss, this guy is all about the eyes. But that's not like a stroke of genius, right? No one could think of that. (laughs) But the way it's framed, it looks more like it's candid. Like, Okay. It's going it's to sound strange, but it's like the actor doesn't know the camera's there. No, I get that. Maybe I'm I'm uh, like uh, projecting. Maybe I'm projecting on onto these onto this film, but it seemed like it was a very candid shot whenever it, it, the movie decided to do that. I mean, I think part of it is that you actually have really high quality actors in this movie. Um you have Gloria Graham, who we discussed before. She was the headmistress in Blood and Lace, our very first episode. We also have Vic Tabak as a detective. He was also the detective in Blood and Lace. Uh, we have Lance Henriksen in one of his very first roles. Um, and Richard Basehart plays our main character, uh, I wasn't really familiar with him as a person, but I guess he's a character actor. He's been in tons and tons of stuff. He character acts the fuck out of this doctor role. Yeah, you liked him? Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think he's pretty good. I I have some reservations about the movie's choice to focus on him so exclusively, which I'll get to, but I think his performance is good. Speaking of Lance Hendrickson, though, man, if the credits didn't make it so apparent that he was in the film, I would not have thought that was him. He's so Yeah, he's so much younger than we're used to seeing him. You can't really tell what kind of performance he gives because he's behind makeup the whole time. But he seems good. He seems convincing. He he does a, a very reliable job of coming across as a guy who would really survive through like the worst adversity possible. Yeah. He seems smart, which he should seem cause he's a doctor. Um, he should seem like an accomplished, credible, intelligent guy. And that's how he comes across. But let's talk about the writer real quickly. The writer was Frank Ray Perilli. Um, he mostly wrote, bunch of stuff for charles band like cheap exploitation stuff like dracula's dog and cinderella the aforementioned cinderella uh, laser blast fairy tales another softcore porn film he wrote alligator that's interesting um well he he came up with the story idea he didn't actually write the dialogue but the writing's fine there's there's a couple things you can poke holes in, but it's not the point. It's not the point of this film. Yeah, agreed. So we already we talked about a ton of people. Is there anyone else we need to talk about? You know, for being such a pivotal like role in the film, the daughter doesn't really do anything. 
Well, she's unconscious most of the time. Yeah. I actually wondered to what extent, like, throughout all of the victims of the film, I wondered how much of that time she was unconscious. Because the movie doesn't really tell us, right? She could be drugged and in bed the whole time. Yeah, to keep her from wandering around the house. Exactly. What's that coming from the basement? Well, it's actually, it's not even the basement. Because we find, like, in the... the near the end of the film that to, to find the victims, she just walks through a single door. I guess they wanted to keep her close by so they didn't have to like wheel her around like constantly. Exactly. That's, that was my thought. Anyway, let's play the trailer uh, and then we'll talk about the story. They told us death was the ultimate horror. They were wrong. Who would have predicted that dreadful day how far I might have to go? I don't care. The only thing you'd better discover is a way to get rid of those people. Wait a minute. This isn't the way to Disneyland. You're heading toward the ocean. feel it leland uh that trailer sucks <laughs> that's the whole movie i hate those trailers for the passion i like them after the fact for okay after the fact sure but it's it's called a preview not yeah. a after view you know yeah. you're tr you're right uh, they they hadn't figured trailers out yet so part of why I enjoyed this movie so much is, you know, it's called Mansion of the Doomed, and I didn't know anything going into it, and I was just like, you know, this I thing, it's, it's, it doesn't seem that doomy, right? It's not that bad. Yeah. You find out what he's doing to the victims. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there's the doom. I found it. So it's there. Yeah. So the story of this film is that this guy who's an eye doctor, his daughter was in a car accident that blinded her. Was he the one driving? Yes. He swerved to miss a dog in the road. So he has some like guilt built in, but he also is really close to his daughter, I guess, and wants her to see again. And so despite the fact that the, the movie lets us know very clearly that he was ethically opposed to doing eye transplants, he decides that's what he'll have to do to give his daughter back her sight. And so 
he goes on a whole rampage through the town of people harvesting their eyes. I did wonder how all of these people were disappearing without anyone noticing. I guess the the 70s, a lot, a lot more people went missing back then. True. That's true. And we get a little bit of missing person stuff when Dan disappears, the doctor. But otherwise, the police don't catch on to anything until the very end. I do think the disappearance of a doctor would have set off way more alarms than than this movie uh, portrays. Yeah, I also think that this guy, the, our main character, acts really suspiciously during all of his interactions with law enforcement. Like, I would think he would be a suspect just based on his behavior. Yeah, I mean, how many how many eye expert doctors are there, right? Like there were two in town. One is missing. You have one other guy. Right. I think even a half-baked detective would be able to put something together, seeing as um, there's a major clue that is found uh, not far from the doctor's residence. Right. Well, Gloria Graham, who... Um, we know from Blood and Lace, is his assistant, nurse, girlfriend. What did you think their relationship was? For most of the beginning of the film, I thought they were married. I thought that was the woman. The, I thought that was the girl's mother. Yeah, no, I don't think she's the mother. And then, yeah, I started questioning it about halfway through the film. Yeah, I think she... This setup is so bizarre, right? So you have the doctor. He works at a hospital, which I think might be on a college campus. Yeah, it's some, he's in school. some sort of research position. He's not. He's teaching. He's not conduct. He's not practicing. I don't think. But he lives in a mansion. Woo! Which, um, from the outside, looks more like just a big fancy house, but not like a super big fancy house. But it's large enough that it has a basement that looks like it's something out of a, oh, like a government building or something. I think they really just shot the interior basement scenes in like an actual jail. That's possible. Because it's a very complex setup with like locking doors and then bars were installed to make like a pen like dude this guy did not just do all this himself like this is contract work yeah but i was under the impression he already had this stuff down there and that he had it because he'd done research on animals but they were doing research on like small dogs small monkeys i know but this is like a cage for a well it's not large enough but it's like something some asshole would shove a tiger into yeah, it, it, that's what I would think, like a tiger. It's got an electrified floor. And not the floor, the bars can be electrified. Oh, I think the floor can too. That's why they've got those rugs in there to hop on when the electricity ca- it, it cuts on. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I think it's like the first half of the floor and the bars. I appreciate the attention to detail for how these people are kept, like, on lockdown i mean really it shouldn't take that much effort because they're all blind right 
but you know whenever a jailkeeper comes in you know they suit up with rubber gloves and stuff so they don't get electrocuted themselves opening and closing the doors no it's i, I appreciate it's, that it's really well done and it helps cement the feeling of doom in the film because i really do think there's a feeling of doom uh for most of our characters their future looks pretty bleak insofar as their eyes have been taken and they've been stored in a basement and our main character is gradually going insane i guess you could say they can't see their future <laughs> indeed they can't but yeah did you think he was insane from the beginning or did you think his like mind unraveled over the course of the film the very first scene of this movie is either a fantasy or a nightmare where he goes into a hospital room and plunges his thumbs into a patient's eyes. Yeah, I think it's a nightmare. Either way, this guy has some demons. And I guess you could you can make the argument that this is like good intentions gone horribly wrong like horrible execution on his part um you know we're we're saying he's kind of smart but really he makes a lot of grave logic errors probably um because he's focusing too much on his daughter right like he's losing sight of the big picture because he keeps like rationalizing his failures and that like surely he's going to succeed at some point but this is one of those films where you get to watch the main character like snowball into a worse and worse situation yeah i i was gonna say he's delusional like he's convinced until the end or at least until the the prisoners start dying that he can still help them he's like yeah i'm taking their eyes but i'm gonna give them back eventually um and that's just pure delusion like right, because where are their eyes going to come from? There's some suggestion that, like, if he gets a child's eyes, he can grow new eye cells or something. He talks about it in the narration, but it's only for a moment, and then the film forgets about it. Hmm. So he lives with his daughter and this assistant, and his daughter's name is Nancy. She's engaged to Dan this other doctor who works with her father at the hospital and Dan turns out to be the first victim. They have him over for dinner and Gloria Graham slips him a poison drink and the doctor shows him how he transplanted the eyes of two dogs so that they'd end up with mixed eyes. That was kind of cool. Like a cool idea. Yeah. Un unsanctioned medical testing on animals super cool i'm not saying the experiment or the the surgery is cool i'm saying that as the like it's a good way for the film to foreshadow what's to come you know i i just thought it was a good way to establish what this doctor is willing to do and by willing to do you mean totally kidnap and mutilate somebody very close to him and his family which would easily lead to any sort of competent law enforcement to establish a possible motive and uh, maybe get a search warrant and find this creepy-ass dungeon they have, he has in his basement. But then the movie would be over. Yeah, and it would be over. 
but it is it is a bit of a logic leap like where this guy sources his victims would be like his very first downfall like in real life yeah i don't think as we see when this guy tries to kidnap a child and it like goes terribly wrong um he's a pretty inept criminal i like how he has one trick would you like some wine (laughs) <laughs> that's it <laughs> well i i kind of got the feeling that that bottle of poison wine was sitting there um just in case you know in case a conversation went bad i like to imagine that that bottle of poison wine has been there like since he owned the house <laughs> like even before he decided to start drugging people well he he does drug Dan and removes his eyes and transplants them into Nancy. And when Nancy wakes up, um, it works. She can see. Were you surprised that it worked? Yeah, I was like, well, I guess the movie's going to be over. This is like 20 minutes in. It, You know, after she wakes up and she can see and she's sitting out by the pool and like having a good time, um, she tells her dad she's thinking about going to see Dan. And he talks her out of it by saying like, oh, no, wait till you're your best self and like wait till you get used to your vision again and all that. And he knows that Dan is in the basement with no eyes. This is what seems unimaginably cruel to me, like from the perspective, like for him to be a father and do that just makes him really despicable to me. But you should keep in mind that the viewer at this point thinks Dr. Dan is dead. Like they took his eyes. And so then logically you would think they just disposed of him. I don't know if I thought that the first time I saw the movie or not, but I've Uh seen it. I've seen it several times. So I, I, it's hard for me to remember what it's like to see it the first time. Like you can't logically you would not be let this guy around because he's just going to be evidence you have to get rid of him right but this guy is not a criminal and he's still under this delusion that he's going to help them eventually i mean part of the delusion is that he believes he is not a criminal right right but the way this actor plays the character is is really intriguing because it's not played out in a you know cartoon like mad scientist sort of way like this is just a doctor who has a goal and he is seemingly just oblivious of any ethical ramifications that his actions may have like he doesn't even consider what he is doing to be wrong on any level like it, it just doesn't even cross his mind well we hear a monologue at one point where he's like I guess it's not a monologue. He, it's it's it, it's a voiceover narration in his head. Um, but he's he's basically making a utilitarian argument to himself. He's talking about like, oh, it's for the greater good. And I thought he was trying to rationalize it. Like I thought at some level he knew it was wrong. Well, he didn't start to rationalize it until like the fourth failure. Well, and I think even he is reluctant to cross the line into getting a child. But he does it. He crosses the line. So I thought for sure we were going to have an eyeless little girl in this movie. You did? Yeah, I thought it was going to happen. I kind of did too. Um, I do remember thinking that. And uh, But 
the the way the direction the movie takes it is is almost more ridiculous but i can see why they did it like i i can see why they might thought that uh, was going too far i mean we are talking about full moon pictures right well that didn't exist yet but like proto full moon sure i feel like a full moon movie would do it uh i don't know remember that um Charles Band would go on to form Wizard Video, which would uh, release the Headless Eyes as well. This is our second eye removal movie. Yet somehow they're very different. Yeah. When I'm watching Headless Eyes, like, don't get me wrong, that feel that movie feels grimy as fuck and like is a downer movie and is really dark and sleazy and all of that but it doesn't disturb me the way this movie does it's not as effective and i'm not sure why but well it's because the victims in the headless eyes die so you think it's like a fate worse than death thing i'm not saying you can't come back from something like this but the sudden trauma of just being not only denied a sense, but being kept imprisoned in an unknown location where you you don't know anything about your surroundings. And then you just keep getting shoved uh, to the wall with other strangers. Like by the end of the film, there's like, what, eight people in this single cell that's meant for yep. one possibly small tiger. <laughs> yeah. When we first saw, when we first see Dan locked in the cage in the basement and he's screaming and trying to grab Gloria Graham, like as he, as she's giving him lunch, like I, I find that profoundly disturbing. Like that whole scene where we're first introduced to him. That's why it was such a shock when like you see Dan, right? Cause you think that he's dead because they took his eyes. There's no point in having him anymore. And then it, she just goes down into the basement and bam, there he is. And you know where this is going because as soon as the girl's eye vision dies, guy, the doc, the, the father is just like, all right, we got, we got to do it again. We got to do it right this time. And yeah, you, you know, you know, in the back of your mind, watching this for the first time, that it's just going to get worse. Like there's just, there's just going to be a conga line of victims lining up. Yeah. And, I mean, did the film feel, does the film feel repetitive to you? No, um, but I, I feel like a different film would have put way more emphasis on each individual victim. But after the first two, it becomes kind of like a montage. Yeah, it is like a montage. But, like, think about it. What else could they have done with this script besides cover victims? Cover, like, a potential law enforcement investigation? Like, whatever. We see that, like, in every movie. I'm glad we don't really get much of that. So what I would have liked in this movie is I, I think we spend too much time with the doctor. I would like to spend, like, equal amounts of time with the doctor, the people in the basement, and Gloria Graham. Like, I would like it to be like a three-legged stool of a movie. And instead, we just get little glimpses of the other two, and we focus almost all our attention on the Doctor. I just think it... it I do think it's a little repetitive, but I've also seen the movie several times. So, there's that. 
I don't know. I've kind of grown to love the the sociopath of the week episodes that we have, although it's not so much week anymore. It's more like of the month. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I'm very comfortable with this format. Focus on this this fucking nut job all you want. Well, and at least he's well acted, because if you had an a, a bad actor or an actor who couldn't handle it doing the role or if it got too campy. It wouldn't work, right? It's got to be like it. It there are moments where it verges on becoming campy, but then he pulls back, and he. I think he walks that tightrope really well. Yeah, there is a camp type rope here, and um, nobody falls. There's no safety net. Nobody falls. No, I I would have liked to seen Gloria Graham go kind of bigger. But it's only because I know she can go bigger. Like I've seen her be crazier in other movies. Um, but I, she's still good. I appreciate her. Being her character there. did need a little bit more fleshed out, fleshing out because we're not even sure if she was some kind of romantic interest or is just a professional. But if she is just an assistant, damn, like where do you find good help like that? <laughs> she doesn't even protest. To, to all of the felonies that are going on. She's, no. Maybe this, I don't think this is the case, but like, what if this wasn't the first time he'd done something questionable and she's just been along for the ride this whole time? She's like, I, oh, he's taking eyes again. I think that's why, like, I think her performance is better than the script. I think it, she suggests all that depth that because it there it, you're right there's nothing in the script where she like protests or argues or says she disagrees the worst thing she does is say like you need to find a way to get rid of the bodies but her performance shows us that she increasingly has misgivings i mean even if she doesn't say anything she's clearly uncomfortable with what's happening more and more as the film goes on I think that's why I thought she was a wife at first because she didn't question it straight up. Right. Like she was just like, okay, this is in my daughter's best interest. Yeah. This is questionable, but family first, like she's one of those. Yeah. I, I think she's like a, a nurse or an assistant, but she's just been with the family for a really long time. I, I think that's it. But anyway, his second victim is a hitchhiker. And we dispatch with her pretty quickly. And then he places an ad wanting to hire somebody to be a caretaker to his daughter. And this woman becomes the third victim. But each time it doesn't work. And his explanation is it must just be a poor choice of donor. He just hasn't found the right one yet. Given this would be a much less interesting movie if he chose his victims intelligently but this is what I'm talking about, right? His first victim is an acquaintance. The second victim's like a random hitchhiker. Like, that's how you want to do it, right? Those are the eyes you want. And then the third is linked to him through a job posting in a newspaper. Yeah. And then the, there's a realtor that has an appointment with him. And anyone who checked would be able to see that, look, he's not shopping for homes. He just made this one appointment. And he obviously didn't hire a caretaker because they don't have one. Like, he's not cleaning up after his uh, excursions very well. 
it, all I'm saying is it was be it would be incredibly easy to just link him to all of these different disturbing th- these disappearances. Crazy easy. Yeah, I agree. I, I find it um I while I'm watching the movie, it doesn't bother me. I'm not like uh, focused on it being unbelievable or anything, but in retrospect, he should have been caught like immediately. Yeah, right away. That is I mean, that's a trend you see, right? Like, you know, there are like professional criminals and serial killers who are, uh, you know, it, it very intelligent professionals in their public life, right? Like, you know, they can be lawyers, doctors, etc. Very smart people who had to do a massive amount of work and dedic and had dedication to get where they were in life, right? And then when they get distracted with whatever their their like criminal predilection be they make really dumb decisions because they're not thinking about the overall picture they're distracted by the prize or what they would consider the prize yeah and one thing i really liked is that as we see the victims start to pile up like as we see each one wake up in the basement without their eyes I love how they all react differently. Like, it seems really true to me. There's a moment where the realtor is waking up and, like, one one woman in the basement just is laughing hysterically and one is crying. And um, at one point, one attacks another one. Like, that just seems very true to me that they would all react differently. It also seemed like the word, like the most fucked up support group ever, right? Oh because yeah. As soon as a new person would come in, everyone else would be like, "Yo, it's you know, well, it's not okay, but we're we're trying to make it better." Yeah, at least you're like not that you want other people to also have their eyes taken out and locked in a cage, but it is nice to have someone else understand what you're going through. So he gets the idea to find a child, as we mentioned before, and he's he's justifying in his head that it's for the sake of humanity, right? He'll be able to cure blindness forever somehow. And so like a creep, he strikes up a conversation with a little girl at the park. And I guess I don't know if it was this easy in the 70s to seduce a little kid into your car. I hope it wouldn't be today. But he promises that they're going to go to Disneyland, and she agrees. Well, I mean, this was filmed in California. True. So Disneyland's like right down the street. In I know. Fact, it... This kid knows exactly where Disneyland be, because when she's in the car stuck with them, I think this was in the trailer, she says, wait, you're not going towards Disneyland. You're going towards the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a very geographically aware kid. When I was that age, I don't think I really knew my way around like that. Oh, I definitely didn't, but I have a terrible sense of direction. I get lost all the time still. So, if you know me, don't trust me to take you anywhere. It's okay you live in, you know, the advent of Google Maps. I do and I you're okay. I rely on that thing too. Anyway, once she realizes that they're not going to Disneyland, she starts to scream and, you know, beg to get out of the car and it distracts him and it causes a car accident. 
and she gets out of the car and runs so she doesn't end up being a victim in the basement but the other car follows him did this seem like is this what you would do follow him um it's not unusual for a third well this guy doesn't isn't necessarily third party because he was involved in the accident itself but it's not uncommon for someone uh for a hit and run accident to follow the other person at least write down their tag something like that yeah i would definitely write down the tag but i don't think i would risk following them especially not to their home because then you might assume that they have a gun well you know in states like florida they you can just assume they have a gun in the car (laughs) they don't have to go home true well when they get there he invites them in and offers them a thousand dollars to stay quiet and the one guy's like, hell, I would have taken 500. <laughs> but he offers them poison wine. And <laughs> <laughs> these two guys, they show up at the doctor's house. They knew his name. They knew where he lived. It was very convenient, but I was willing to uh, I was willing to disregard that for the for the encounter. I thought they just followed him. I thought they were going to go inside and beat the crap out of him. No, they just want money. No. See, that's what I was thinking, you know, because this guy, after the car accident, sees a child run from the car and yell for help. And then he follows the doctor. So you think like this is going to be some sort of like vigilante justice. But no, he just wants to blackmail for money. Yeah, it's uh, I love it's, it because that's 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 so. It's cynical. So it's cynically real, yeah, yeah. And uh, when these two wake up in the cell together, this is the guy who tries to strangle the other guy. I don't know why. Do you think the other guy was behind it? Whatever happened to him? They can't see each other. They don't know where they are. This guy yeah. wakes up, realizes he can't see. The last thing he remembered was drinking some questionable wine and uh you know he just that's how some people react when you wake them up yeah get immediately violent that's how i interpreted it yeah no i I, that makes sense to me well they have to tie him up temporarily which i thought was like the fact that these people are banding together to solve problems now makes me root for them more i'm not sure why like if they were just helpless victims and they didn't do anything, I wouldn't be able to identify with them as much. I mean, some of them are helpless. True. But they're working to dig a hole in the cement wall to get through to the other side. So, And then whenever Gloria Graham comes, uh, Lance Henriksen hurries up and sits in front of it so she can't see. It this seems like... such a questionable plan. Oh, but... it's a terrible plan. Like... Okay, so first off, they're blind. They don't know where they're scraping. Like, no. th- this could have just been a, like, t- I don't know, eight feet solid concrete foundation block. Yeah, they have no idea. No idea. They're just scraping at a wall. I mean, it's better than doing nothing, I suppose. Where did he, where did he get the original metal bar to start scraping the wall? I don't know. 
but I, I, that was my thought too, is like, this is a terrible plan. And when they spoiler ultimately get through the wall and like someone goes out, their plan is to just go until you can feel air and then scream, which also seems like a terrible plan. But I kept thinking, well, what else could you do? Well, specifically, right. it was like run like 200 feet away from the house, like, yeah. more or less, and then start screaming, which I don't know. That sounds like the best plan to me. Well, you risk attracting the first of all, you're, you're blind, so you don't know if you're coming out into the air or if you're coming out to the living room or what. Like, you don't know where you're tunneling out to. No. So once you just start wandering and screaming, you have no idea if you're going to attract the doctor who has kidnapped you or if you're going to attract a stranger. So anyway, you need to take that chance, but that's part of why this movie is is kind of horrifying because of that that level of 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 just helplessness. Like th- this is their only option. Yeah. To get through this wall, this solid concrete wall, they were constantly splashing it with water to make it wet. And then scraping at it with a metal bar until it started breaking up. Like, that would be an all-day thing. Well, I think they do. They go do at you, it for a long time, how right? How long do you think they were down there? Like, months, right? Yeah, months. The movie doesn't really draw attention to how long this is going on for. But it has to have been months. That's why I think the movie would have been better if we spent more time with them and then we could see like their relationships evolving and their plan coming together and like really follow what they're doing. And I think that that would have made it more interesting, but maybe, but I don't think there's a lot of depth into what's going on here, right? Like they're grasping at a, at a, plan of desperation and they don't really know each other they're just to them they're just voices right well one of them dies um do you know what she dies of it's i think it's the hitchhiker that dies i think so yeah it's the hitchhiker that dies she probably died from i don't know being kept in a basement for a couple months with little to no medical attention after she just had her eyes ripped out like do you think that all of these people were getting their appropriate amount of like post-surgery antibiotics in this dank basement i don't know i i i wouldn't on the one hand it, it he says he wants to help them so you would think he would be overseeing their medical care being a doctor but he doesn't as far as i can tell he just totally ignores them no he minimizes contact with them as much as possible like he doesn't want to be bothered by it and he it's mostly hands their well-being over to gloria who clearly despises it like i don't know if she hates them or she feels guilty or she hates the just seeing them or what but she's clearly very averse to her role taking care of them and so no i don't think they're getting the proper medical care I kind of interpreted Gloria's reactions as annoyance because she knows, much like the audience, that the best way to rectify the situation is to just get rid of them. 
Like this whole keeping them around for future recovery is beyond pipe dream. Hey, yeah. It's subway tunnel dream. It's so big. It's not going to happen. Well, when they finally get through the cement wall, there's iron bars that only the women can fit through. It's like the rebarb that keeps the house from collapsing on itself. Right, like the support. And uh, so the two women who are still alive crawl out. One is easily caught by Gloria and the doctor. It's and- because she pushes on a vent because she feel probably feels like the outside air. And when she pushes the vent open, it makes a big clack and knocks over a big metal tin garbage can. I mean, like nowadays, everyone's garbage cans are made of plastic. They got wheels. But in the 70s, you know, you had the big old metal can. Yeah. Well, the other one makes it a little further, but she gets hit by a car. I, you had to know that was going to happen, right? Yeah. It was, it's painfully obvious. It's like watching a moth fly into a campfire. Like, you know what's going to happen. And she knew she was running into traffic, but like, what choice did she have? She's being pursued by the doctor on the one side, and she's trying to get help from people who are ignoring her. Like, what else could you do? Yeah, the movie makes a social statement, a paper boy on his route. Strangely enough, at like three in the afternoon, who the fuck delivers a paper that late? Um, sees sees the 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 realtor just blindly running down the street at like wanting help, and I guess this kid just took one look at like her horrified eyeless expression and just fucking panicked, just got the fuck out. Yeah, you don't know what's going on. You don't know if she's being beat by her husband or experimented on or she's got a gang after her. Like It's like 14. There's no way he's, he's thinking that far ahead. Uh, he know. sees horrifying Isla's visage in broad daylight and fight or flight kicked in and he just started pedaling. Well, this whole ordeal causes the doctor to finally go down and talk to the prisoners and he tells them like look the that girl didn't make it but she didn't have to die like this is your fault you know i'll help you so just wait and i'll give you back your eyes this uh this sounds like insanity right like this does not sound like a comforting appeal there is no world where these people should take anything this guy says for any worth whatsoever. Like he tricked you, drugged you, and stole your eyes. And now he's like, yeah, no, don't worry. It's going to be all right. I'm going to get you your eyes back. (laughs) You're good. As soon as I work this out. Well, the next part I was a little confused about. Dan grabs Gloria through the bars and strangles her and they turn on the electricity and Dan and Gloria both seem to be shocked and then I couldn't figure out if like at first I thought Gloria had died but it turns out she didn't right 
so first off, is it Dan or is it one of the two guys who were blackmailing? I thought it was Dan mm-hmm. because he has an antagonism with her the whole movie where he he uses her name and says, like, you can't do this to us. There's like, stop it. You have to stop. He says that kind of stuff whenever she comes down. And so the movie sets up like an antagonism between the two of them. This seems like poetic justice. I got the impression that um, she died before he was able to break up the, the, the strangulation, although it does happen incredibly fast. It feels like, you know, he could have resuscitated her if he wanted to. He just didn't. And he takes the eyes from the corpse. Which I didn't understand because it, in the past he said that the whole thing was he had to take it from someone while they were alive. Well, it's clear at this point he has no fucking idea what he's talking about. So now he's grasping at straws. Yeah, but this is the one that actually works. Kind of. Yeah. Just like the first attempt where it temporarily works until it doesn't. Yeah. And in fact, the first time was the most successful because I think it lasted like days. And then everything after that has just been dwindling quality. Well, when she wakes up and she can see, the doctor is outside burying the bodies and she stumbles down into the basement. Her vision, like she can see, but it's hazy. And this is a genuinely uncomfortable, tense scene. We're like, we know what she's going to discover. When she does find them, she screams and runs, understandably. Like, she has no idea what the fuck's going on. What did she think was going on? I don't think she knew anything. No, but she knows her dad. She's drugged out of her mind for like the entire film, right? So that's what you think, that she's drugged out of her mind? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if she's unconscious this whole time, but I'm pretty sure that they have her loaded up on a pretty serious cocktail, especially since they're keeping her only in a room across the hallway from the jail cell. Yeah, that that's the only thing that makes sense because otherwise the doctor would have to have some explanation of what all these surgeries are. Like, to tell her, you know? Look... <sighs> Like, she might be, like, a pampered rich kid daughter, but the movie doesn't give you the impression that she has, you know, an apple that has fallen close to this tree, right? She doesn't (laughs) seem like a shitty person. No. At least someone shitty enough to, you know, steal their eyes and keep them in the basement. Well, she leaves the basement, and then she... I don't know, comes up with a ruse, I guess, where she lies in bed, puts her bandages back on so that when her father shows up, he thinks he's removing the bandages for the first time. Why go through all of this? What What is her game? What's um, her end goal? I think she realized she wouldn't be able to escape like by herself. So she had to create some sort of distraction to make him believe she was incapable of getting away. Uh, That makes sense. I don't know if, you know, that train of logic 
makes sense based on the limited information she would have. But she's got to know something's up, right? Because she doesn't even like question for a moment that her father would do something like, or, like would or wouldn't do something like this, right? She just accepts it. Right. right? Like something in her heart tells her, you know, my fucked up dad did this. Yep. Got to get out of here. So she goes back to the basement and frees the prisoners and her eyesight is is leaving her as this happens. And so she's stumbling around eventually just as badly as they are, but she finds the keys and unlocks them. And then one of the the blackmailers, the guy played by Al Ferreira, actually, gouges out the doctor's eyes. So we have poetic justice after all. Shoves his big fat thumbs right into those eye sockets, yet somehow these eyes come out perfectly in- intact in his palms. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like, was wondering about that. Yeah, no, nah, these eyes would be jelly. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, I don't know why they wanted to show them to us like that, because I thought they would just be jelly too. That That's probably the campiest part of the film. True. And, you know, this film basically has the plot of like a really campy 1950s mad scientist movie. It it could easily be one of those movies, the story. It's just not filmed that way. If it was filmed that way, all of the victims would just be permanently wearing like white uh, blindfolds while they like sit on comfortable benches in a well-furnished basement. Yeah. This ain't that movie. These people are literally like pissing and shitting on mattresses and a fucking dank concrete floor. Yeah, but you can see brief glimpses of the the like campy mad scientist film. And this is one of them where the perfectly preserved eyes are sitting in Alfreira's hands. But I really like it as uh, the way this next part is handled as the credits start to roll we see the prisoners start to slowly emerge from the house as if they're like emerging from a cave. I, I love thought, these credits. Yeah, it's really well done. I like it when the credits start rolling while the conclusion is ongoing. Yeah, I do too. I think, I, I don't know why I like it. Maybe just that it's not ordinarily done, but... I like to it 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 gives it a more like ponderous feel. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's a lost art. It's something I haven't seen in a modern film. Nowadays well, you just get like a post credit scene that lines up a sequel. Yay. Yeah. No, I I I miss the it, sometimes it's in the beginning of movies where it's over the movie and sometimes it's at the end like in this one, but I like both. I don't like when there are no credits or when the credits are only after the movie. I'm okay with credits before the movie, like the entire credits before the film. And then the movie just fucking ends like straight to black. Me too. Like that's, that's what Ingmar Bergman always did. And, and Woody Allen after him. Um, but uh, no, I'm a fan of this too. Anyway, um, that's the end. You want to give final thoughts and a rating out of four? I have a feeling I'm going to rate this one higher than you. Um, if you're going into this movie blind and you and you don't have any frame of reference for what eyes without a face or whatever, 
Um, I think this movie stands up by itself just fine. Uh, sure, there's uh, some questionable decision-making in the script in terms of, uh, oh, you know we didn't talk about the homeless guy. No, that's right. Oh, man. That's this victim, you think, you think you know how this is going to go down. He approaches a homeless guy on the street and he's like, yo, I can get you a hot meal. I place the sleep for the night. And the bum's like, oh, wow. Okay, sure. And I don't trust you. But then the doctor takes out his wallet and shows him his doctor card. Like, look, I'm a doctor. Here's my doctor badge. And the homeless guy's like, wow, you're a doctor. That means you're rich. And then just fucking mugs him. Yeah, this was really bad decision making. (laughs) Oh, that was great, though, because I feel like a, 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 a more traditional film, that guy would have been in the basement without his eyes. No, it shows that the doctor is not street smart at all. <laughs> like, he's so far outside of his privileged comfort zone right now. I feel like the only reason he was in the city was to get a homeless guy. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Well, he gave that shit up real quick. He did not try it a second time. Anyway, I I really like how this film kept me guessing. I did not expect people to be kept alive in the basement. I'm really glad I did not watch the trailer before this movie. I mean, I typically don't, but the less you know going into this film, the better if you're introducing this to other people. Um, the direction's all right. I mean, I don't know if there's anything too crazy going on here. Um, as we both said, um, the, the performances are great. Um, especially considering um, this plot, which could have turned camp at any moment. Um, they they play it pretty straight for the most part, except for, um, again, the, the poetic justice scene at the end. Well, we can excuse that. I, I, I'm going to give this like three stars just because it really, it really surprised me. I And if when you've watched as many films as, as either of us have, it's it's just a real pleasant surprise to to actually get to to experience something unexpected. Yeah, no, I really like this movie actually. Um if you go on like IMDb and read the reviews, lots of people bash it for just being an eyes without a face rip off. And I don't really see it that way. I think of it more as like the grindhouse reimagining of eyes without a face it, it's it's different tonally and this really works for me i love all of the performers and the only criticism i have is that i want more of them like i want some more of gloria graham and some more of lance Henriksen. and it, i think the movie could have really benefited from spending more time with the the prisoners and more time with Gloria Graham and like whatever misgiving she has. And I'm really curious about that. Um, but uh, the movie does keep you guessing and it keeps you engaged and it is horrifying and really disturbing. Um, the idea of losing my sight and being locked in a basement with no ability to like go anywhere is, is really terrifying to me um so the the movie works on that level um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go three stars too 
So three stars for both of us for Mansion of the Doomed. This is just one of those films where like if you you do not want to put yourself in the victim's shoes. Like you really don't. No. It's it's such a miserable experience to think about all the way through. Yeah, like you would be traumatized after this. You would be fucked up for a while. Oh, no, there's there's so much therapy that's gonna you know, normally in therapy groups, you have like like-minded people who've been like in similarly traumatized as you. Just these people, that's it. That's the only people who've gone through something like this. Yeah. At least they have a group. They can form their own support group. Yes. Anyway, um, so next week we're gonna uh return to the work of Stephen Syed Syedian, better known as Rent's Dream for 1989's Dr. Caligari. Leland, you are in for an experience with this one. Please tell me it's better than Cafe Flesh. It's more, it's not a porn film, and it's more in line, like, the thing it's most similar to that we've covered is probably Forbidden Zone. This is like a semi-sequel to The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the classic um, German... uh, What's the word? Um, expressionist. Yeah, the 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 German expressionist film, um, and uh, this one chooses to focus on his granddaughter, who experiments with hormones and shock therapies at her asylum for the insane, according to IMDb. So this one's a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear what you think about it, Leland. I'm gonna have to watch the the. The first film, because I actually haven't seen it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, definitely watch it. We can have a, a brief discussion about it next time. Okay. All right. So if you haven't, checked out both The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and 1989's Dr. Caligari and join us next week. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares, uh, where I post everything we do. Leland, any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We will talk with you next week about Dr. Caligari. Have a good one, everybody. Ha 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 